and um, he held that shotgun up, and when he did, I went down like this, and the shot came, you can see that little finger boy ever bend again, um, it came across the back of my head, went across the back of my head. So he shot above your head as you were ducked down. As I started ducking down. If oh. I hadn't have ducked. Oh my God, he had a shot here in the, mm -hmm. yeah. in the head. Uh-huh. podcast and youtube land and world uh welcome back to episode 19 of the coffee and ketchup the podcast um the engine the that's engine. true yeah. <laughs> the little engine that that tries um <laughs> we we have got a very uh empowering powerful uh episode today a a good representation of a growing problem in america um, and just to kind of preface it, I had no idea, um, but October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, before I looked into it for this episode, I had no idea. I think I kind of just sit in the addiction world so much that I know mm -hmm. those statistics and rattle them off. I had no idea that this is quite the problem that it was, or that it is, I'm sorry. Um, but, but let me read you what I got off the line real quick. So again, as I was saying, um, you know, October was first declared as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month in 1989. Since then, October has been a time to acknowledge domestic violence survivors and be a voice for its victims. Domestic violence is prevalent in every community and affects all people, regardless of age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. Physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior as part of a much larger systematic pattern of dominance and control. Domestic violence can result in physical injury, psychological trauma, and even death. The devastating consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime. Although there has been substantial progress in reducing domestic violence, this is crazy. An average of 20 people are physically abused by intimate partners every minute. This equates to more than 10 million abuse victims annually. One in three women and one in four men have been physically abused by an intimate partner. And one in five women and one in seven men have been severely physical, physically abused by an intimate partner. Millions of Americans live in daily silent fear within their own homes. And like I said, I had no idea that, that it was that prevalent, you know, in the country we live in uh, until reading all that. So we have got a, like I said, we've got a powerful story today uh of of a from a domestic violence survivor mm. and we are uh we are proud and we are blessed to be able to bring you that story today um if you will do you mind if the two of you will introduce yourselves real quick i'm kim kite and i am a domestic violence survivor i'm leslie queen and i am a domestic violence survivor and a 911 dispatcher director so we have got, we're, we're going to do, 
this is such a cool opportunity, cool story. So Kim, uh, we're going to kind of go through a little bit of Kim's uh, backstory and then up to the event where everything was kind of falling apart. Uh, and one of the, we were talking about one in five women are severely injured. You know, we're going to talk about that night and how just so happens, you know, God was there to have Leslie answer the phone call when she, when she was able to call 911. And it's like, it's such a powerful story. Um, but thank you. Thank you both for coming on. Uh, we are, like I said, extremely grateful and honored to have the two of you on today. Uh, and Kim, I guess I'd like to start with, in an effort to maybe relate to somebody who might be listening who is unsure to think that they're in an unhealthy relationship or, or a potentially uh, violent uh, domestic partnership, anything like that. Will you kind of tell us, because I'm sure, you know, you didn't get married to somebody with it, you know, being how it ended up. No. You know, I'm sure it, it progressed from there. Will you kind of start us a little bit before the incident in the night uh, in January and kind of tell us when it started to get bad and kind of how it led up to that? Okay, around November of 07, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed Brian wasn't sleeping on a regular schedule. He was up all night or up all day. It was... If, if he worked night shift, he was a nursing supervisor. And it's uh, things just started just catching my eye that something wasn't right. And um, I found out he was on steroids, growth hormone, diet pills. Mm-hmm. And um, no telling what else, because sure. he, he was available to get whatever he wanted wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really how it started. And I asked him to leave at that point in time to move okay. out of, to move out of the house. Right, of your house. My house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. So how how did that go? I'm sure that was not very well received. No, it wasn't because he had two boys, mm. young boys, and they lived a lot of their time with us. Okay. And so it wasn't it wasn't easy for me to ask them ask mm-hmm. them to leave, but I knew I couldn't live like that. I knew I couldn't live like that anymore. That something had to change. Sure, sure. Now, so obviously, you know the signs of drug use and and st- even steroid use because steroids have a lot of the same effects that uh that meth does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's a good red flag to be aware of. Any yeah. kind of drug use, any kind of unusual sleeping patterns, is things to be aware of. Not necessarily leading to domestic violence, but it's definitely good things to be aware of from that standpoint or mm-hmm. a drug use standpoint. Um, how were a lot of y'all's conversations uh, and maybe some of the emotional abuse at this point in time? Um, he, um, he was from South Africa. Okay. Um, so sometimes I never knew kind of how he, how, what he was saying or whatever was really Mm, like it, what it was. But, um, but he, um, he would do just weird things, um, like with the boys, even he would go out back behind the house, and they would do these little bomb things, and let them, you know, build them, and they would go off and stuff, scare me to death. But anyway, I didn't think the boys needed to be around something like that. And then, like one day, we had bought a new 
um, dryer and he was he decided to bring it home and he did something crazy. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was at work. He did something crazy and it fell off the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. So had to buy another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just things. Sure. And um, <clears throat> But like the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse was ongoing even after he left. Right. Like he was harassing you. Mm. I remember you telling me um, it was it made it difficult for y'all to work together mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, just just to be clear for everybody, y'all y'all worked together. Yes, so you kicked him out in November, but y'all still saw each other pretty regularly just from having to mm-hmm. work together. Right. And can you tell me, so that was in November, how long had y'all been together um, prior to that in November? A year and a half. Okay, so y'all were together a year and a half, and then you asked him to move out in November. Okay, mm-hmm. I was pointing to the timeline there. Right. So how, how was the work environment with him? What were some of the things that were going on? Um, well, he worked, I worked the regular eight, eight to five shift. Um, and he, he worked different ones. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he could work seven to three, three to 11, 11 to seven. Mm-hmm. It was just according to what he was scheduled. Okay. Uh, and if y'all were to see each other in passing or be on the same shift, what would that kind of interaction be like? It was okay most of the time at work. Okay. Until, okay. Uh, until the very end. Okay. 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 So, and and I'm sure you know already being you know having to having to leave the house. I'm sure he was trying to keep that job at all costs. I'm sure he was not trying to. Of course, that that would put everything out in the open too. You know, if he starts becoming emotionally abusive or or physically violent at work, you know, now everybody knows it's not a secret anymore. Okay. So so when did so you said it happened in January? Is there anything else that happened between him um, between you telling him to leave? And the incident in January? Um, I filed for divorce in December. And he got the papers, I believe, like the day before Mm. that this happened. Oh, wow. So that that, that set him off. Yes. Okay. That, That set him off. Plus, he had been to a party that night. And I didn't know. Um, I had actually been to a baby shower and came home, and he had been at a party drinking. Well, he couldn't he couldn't drink because he didn't know when to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that that is what I think. But I also think that he had been in my house that day while I was at work. Oh. This was on a Friday. And I'm pretty sure he had been in my house and put stuff in my house that I didn't see, that I didn't catch. Because one of my neighbors, had they had started to the lake and uh-huh. came by my house and one of my bedroom windows was up. Uh-huh. And they were like, why has Kim got bedroom windows up? A bedroom window up in January. What is going on? Right. Mm-hmm. And... They didn't say anything because they thought, well, maybe she's just there, and you know. Right. Um, but undoubtedly, he had been there. Mm. He had been there. So he had probably come into the house Friday when you were at work, mm-hmm. and then left and went to this party uh-huh. and began drinking or doing whatever mm-hmm. else he was doing. Doing whatever he was uh, doing. Uh huh. So you come home from work 
you don't realize he's been in the house. Mm-hmm. Just a normal Friday night to you. Yeah. And I went to a baby shower and came home. Okay. And that's all I had done. Okay. Oh, and another thing, he had called me that Friday at work. One of our uh, uh, girls that worked with us at work had died, and her funeral was supposed to be on Saturday. And he called me and asked me would I would he would I mind him sitting with me at the funeral? At the funeral, mm. and I said, "No, that's fine. I'll do that." Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's very telling of where you were at with mm-hmm. with your, I guess. Which is still very understanding. Yeah, understanding you know? and, and gracious enough yeah. to, you know, trying to keep things civil. Trying, you know, sure. like, yeah, that kind of tells a whole lot about where you were at in that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, had he ever been physically violent to you before that night? No. Okay. No. Just, was just a, verbal, but never um, physical. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Which is still, to be clear for everybody, that is still domestic violence. There does not have to be a physical interaction. Yeah. The emotional, emotional abuse yeah. is abuse. Verbal and verbal emotion, abuse yeah. is abuse. Uh, and it is just as traumatic, as impactful as any physical violence. Kim, let me ask you, in the verbal abuse, like if he had gotten on a tangent or whatever, did he ever threaten to hurt you? In his words, like, like anything, like I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna kill you. Or no. Just verbally abusive, putting you down, or, or just being. Just putting you, putting me putting down. Putting you down. Okay. Okay. That kind of stuff. So you couldn't see it coming, as far as like the mm-hmm. the physical side of it. That no. you, you were oblivious to what was coming around the corner. No, because if I'd have known, I wouldn't have been at that house. Sure. Right. I wouldn't yeah. have been there. Yeah. Um, or at least I would have had somebody at home with, with you. Sure. Yeah. Now, I will say, I praise God for my daughter not being home. Yes. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. She was off at college. She was four hours away. Mm. And he came in her bedroom window. Oh, my and there's no doubt in my mind that he would have shot her. None. Mm. Wow. Well, thank God. Yes, definitely. She was. She was four hours away. Mm-hmm. So, and this, this all happened that Friday night. Right. Okay, the Friday night. So you go, you go to the baby shower. You come back. Last you had spoken with them. Y'all had agreed to sit at the at the funeral together. Still trying to be civil. Um. What were you doing? And you said he came in through your daughter's window. Mm -hmm. So kind of take us through that night the best you can, if you will. Okay. Um, Oh, that night it changed my life forever and forever. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm going to say, Leslie, and you might know different, I'm going to say it was around 3 o'clock. Okay. And I was asleep, and I heard something break. And then my cat made this awful screech, like I'd never heard that cat uh. do before. But it woke me up. And I jumped up out of the bed and looked across the hallway, and there stood somebody with a shotgun. Uh. 
Mm. Well, I couldn't see who it was because I didn't have my glasses or my contacts on. And I screamed and started running to the back of our house where I could possibly be able to get out. Get out, yeah. And he screamed, stop. And I thought, and I'd, I said to him, what in the hell are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know? So when you heard the voice, you, I knew, all, you knew who it yeah. was. Then. I knew gotcha. who it was. So um, I was in a bathroom that's like a, his, has two doors to it. Uh-huh. And so I was in the middle of that bathroom and um, he said, stop. Well, then I realized who, you know, who it was, so I stopped. And um, he held that shotgun up, and when he did, I went down like this. And the shot came, you can see that little finger boy ever bend again. Um, It came across the back of my head, went across the back of my head. So he shot above your head as you were ducked down? As I started ducking down, if I hadn't ducked. Oh my God, he had a shot here in the Mm -hmm. head. Uh Uh-huh. Well, then, he took that shotgun and started beating me everywhere until that shotgun bit in two. And um, some of this I don't remember, but I did. In, he did throw me on the bed, and um, he asked where my pistol was. Well, I knew exactly where it was. I wasn't going to tell him. Sure. Um, so that made him start to go look through the house for that. And what he didn't know was I had put a phone in that bedroom after he left in November. And that's when I picked it up and called 911. Now it was a house phone, house a landline. Phone. So yes. you were able to get to the phone, dial 911, mm-hmm. and he's somewhere in the house looking for the pistol. Right. Right. Because his shotgun is now, it, it's probably not. It doesn't even function. Yeah, it's no, not it's functioning. not. It was bent into, they said. But what? at what point was it? Okay, so the first time you called and then you had run out, remember? Yeah. And then you came back in. Yeah. I called and I don't think. Because the, the initial call you called, my partner answered. Right. But I heard the scream. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, we always call back, of course, for 911 sure. calls, uh, hang-ups or whatever. But for that call, because I grew up in domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, and I've dealt with domestic violence in my teenage years. So I knew, like, you just it's just scream like, I don't know, it's just different. You, you knew have what to, was happening yeah, like I mean, I phone. just knew. Right. And so, like, I... We just kept, I kept calling back and call. I think I called, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 times mm-hmm. um, before I got you. Mm-hmm. But he was sitting beside her. Yeah. I did, I was able to get outside one time. Um, I unlocked like three different locks on my front door. And I got out, but I passed out. Oh, I'm sure. And I couldn't get to my neighbors. I was trying to get to my neighbor's uh-huh. house. And I passed out. And undoubtedly, he came out and got me. And drug you back in. And mm-hmm. drug me back in. 
and put me back on the bed. And he he did tell me, he said, I'm here to kill me and you. Uh-huh. And he said, I may have already killed you. You have lost way too much blood. And I looked, I turned over and looked, and the pillows were soaked, the bed, the whole mattress was soaked. Everything. Uh-huh. So by the time... I finally got Brian on the phone, and he was like, it's just a little domestic dispute. We're we're fine. I was like, where's the, the female that called? And um, I finally got to talk to Kim mm-hmm. for a minute. Well, honestly, I thought she was drunk. Yeah, I'm you sure. asked me. Yeah, I asked her. I mm-hmm. said, have you been drinking? You know, what's going on? Um, at the time, I didn't know he had beat all the teeth out of her head. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, so I was like, I mean, I guess just being a, you know, stereotyping because there's so much domestic violence that gets called in and they never do anything about it. Sure. You know, so then when it really happens, it's kind of like the little boy that cried wolf. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, are we going to do something about it today or not? You know, but that scream, I knew. I just knew. I was like, there's no way I'm going to quit calling until somebody answers his phone. And finally, like I said, I got him. He didn't want to let me talk to her. And then I finally did, but he was sitting there coaching her, mm-hmm. you know, and I just stayed on the phone with her as long as I could until they got there. Um, so you're talking to to him, and then you start talking to her, and at the same time, you're he's, dispatching I can he, and, to the house? Oh, Do you yeah. know where they're at at the time? Yes. I mean, you know where they're at, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but you could hear him in the background, you know, coaching her to say, you know, don't, everything's fine, this, that, and the other. And, um, I mean, but I knew everything was not fine. So, right. mm-hmm. and then they they get out there. Um, oh, I did tell him don't um, don't point that thing. Oh yeah, yeah. While I'm on the phone, that's when it went dead. He's, she said, don't point that at me, Brian. And I was like, oh, he's got a gun. And I'm letting the deputies know, right. oh, he's really? got a gun. Yeah. You know, um, step it up. Let's go. Did you, you were just really saying that, Kim, just out of, hey, don't point the gun at me. But really what you were doing was letting Leslie know, right. let the deputies know that he was armed. Yeah. Yeah, because that. And that's what he was that, doing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He was standing right. there pointing it at Right. The yeah. pistol? Yes. So he, so he, he, had, he had found, found it. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, he had found it. And that's when, as soon as she said that, the line went dead. Just dead. And I just kept calling back and kept calling back and kept calling back and got voicemails and voicemails. and, um, But I just kept calling. And she, um, she, she was like, I mean, bleeding to death. And then when they got there, he put her on the front porch and pulled the, she, all she had on was a t-shirt and panties, and he pulled the t-shirt over her head and threw her on the front porch. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah, after, after I said, don't point that thing at me, I got beat again. Because. Yeah, he hung the phone up, and then he started uh-huh. beating you again. Yeah. With the pistol this time? Or was it No, was just. It fist? Mm-hmm. And. Then I was in and out so much. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember him putting me out. The only thing I do remember about that, and what woke me up, was he put the end of that pistol to my back, and it was hot. It was warm, mm. and it woke me up. 
mm. enough, these the front of my house goes out and then the steps go down. Well, he was like saying, well, I put her out. Um, let's see if you if you'll come up here and get her. And he's standing there with a pistol, telling the deputies this. Yeah, he's like he's like very standoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a standoff. It was definitely a standoff. Um, How many deputies were there? Do you, do you know? Three. 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 At that there was three at that point, and then the ambulances stage until the scene's clear. So, um, but then it. I mean, what? it got worse because it got a lot worse um during the standoff part um so they one of the deputies um was actually able to maneuver his way through the hedges behind the hedges to the steps to grab her but then it was still a standoff uh -huh. sure um and so, that's that's so when that it went crazy time, they had gotten you and it was just kind of a standoff between him and the deputies that were out there. Mm -hmm. okay. well, yeah, and I don't remember getting down those four or five steps. Okay. I don't remember that. But no, because he you didn't get down. He toted you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I would imagine not. You know, I again the just the blood loss alone. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, with the minimal medical knowledge I have, you know, that's going to make you very woozy. You're going to oh, yeah. go in and out of consciousness. You know, not to mention the, the, you know, blunt force trauma and getting hit with stuff. Mm -hmm. Just blood loss can make you do that kind of stuff. The fact that you were even able to move or, or be in and out is, is amazing. Mm. It's truly incredible. So I got it. So initially when you saw him, it, when he came into the house, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm thinking. Roughly what time can either of y'all answer is it that he, he puts her out on the front porch and the deputy is able to get her. Are we talking? It was still dark. Is it? Because he didn't see the deputy coming up, I don't think. I don't think. I, it's been so long, I don't remember. I'm, I, don't I'm just, I, I guess I'm just curious as to how long was were you being, before were you being abused yeah. like that mm -hmm. before deputies were on the scene? In other words, you were able to make a phone call. and they were So able the to, a call came in approximately at 03. 35 hours. So I'm. So 3:35 in the morning, right. the call came in. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Um, and then, it's a half an hour. And then all well, that's when the call came in. So that was 30, still 35 minutes. Then I don't have the. And it's still more from the call time they got there. And the actual yeah. call times with me, but he got okay. agitated with yeah, I mean it. It was a good, probably a good hour before. We even got the call that he had been there. Yeah, right. Okay. That's, um, that's what I was, I yeah. was curious about, how long she had, had endured that. Yeah, probably a good 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. I would say. And then them getting there, because you're talking about East Dublin, or what do y'all call it over there? Love it. Love it. Love it? <laughs> <laughs> what do y'all call it over there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I couldn't think of it. I know, there's so many little, you know, yeah. Lawrence County has there. like, yeah. what, 17 or 38 20 rural fire departments. So, <laughs> I mean, um, so you got to think, depending on where the deputies were, how long it took them sure. to get there, yeah. you know, um, without having the actual call in hand. I don't have the yeah. actual time frame. but So yeah. they're responding, Leslie, to a call that you put out 
as a domestic They respond lots of sirens. And they responded pretty deep, wouldn't you say? That's a three deputies. Oh, yeah, there was three there on initial because it was. um, They knew knew the seriousness of what was going on. Oh, yeah. I think they could hear it in my voice, too. Uh Um, Because, like I said, I mean, I just knew. I don't know. I I guess you'd have to be in that situation before in your life to understand domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And it's a unique and the the urgency, I guess, maybe in someone's voice. um, It's it's, I don't know how to explain it. And I think I was yelling help. Yeah, I mean, I've like I've been doing this for twenty years, and there's just certain calls that. You just get that gut feeling, and uh-huh. you know, you just know. Um, the thing with domestic violence, I will say, is um, a lot of times women are scared to call um, or do anything about it. I mean, we have sure. so many every day that never do anything about it. I, they just keep I, calling. We keep going, but nobody ever stops it. You right. know, there's there's right. no stopping point. This they don't is follow like, through. They don't follow through. Right. You know, um, I just think there there's just not enough um, information information out there. There's not enough um, support system out there. Uh, groups or home. You know, we got wings here in Dublin. Mm-hmm. That's the only women right. woman shelter. Uh, domestic violence shelter that I know of in this area. Yeah. Um, and that's sad. It is. And I'm not saying it's just women because men can be in domestic violence sure. situations too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, <laughs> there has been times that it does happen. Um, it's really weird to me to think of it like that, but because I've always been on the other side, um, you know, I went through it in my, during my childhood, and then, like I said, my teenager teenage years. Um, so it just, but they, it, it's just wide. I mean, one in every five minutes. Yeah, like I said, I, what, I just read like like twenty. Yeah, uh, or something like that. Twenty a minute now. Yeah. And now I know one thing that's changed law enforcement wise is domestic violence, especially kids when kids are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, used to, you know. They just took the dad. It was always the dad's fault, you know. Now you both go to jail. Right. You both will go to jail. Till they sort it out. Yep. So I think that's a good thing. Because it's not always the, yeah, the guy's right. fault. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. There just has to be more support and information and uh, more shelters for women. I, I um, agree. Especially after reading the numbers and how similar they are to, you know, your your overdose numbers and your addiction numbers. Yep. And you can step outside today, find a rehab, rock and hit a rehab. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. And to have one for an area as big as Dublin Lawrence County, yep. to have one little shelter for. Well, the other thing is mental violence. health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my mom, well, I've dealt with her in mental health um, since I was 10. So, not trying to get off domestic violence, but. Some of it comes from mental health. Sure. You know, and there's not, I mean, the last time my mom got really sick and uh, mentally unstable, 
I had to take her all the way to Waycross just to get her some help. Goodness. Mm. You know, so there's nothing in this area um, for mental health patients anymore either. Right. And that's that's really sad that, you know, because a lot of drug addiction comes from mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's like... There's a huge correlation between... Where where are we going wrong here? You know, um, the government's focused on such stupid things and not trying to get into politics. But... There really is a, a dire need for domestic violence and mental health in this country. Agree. I could not agree more. I agree. Could not agree more. Kim, let me ask you a question. I think this is a really important question. Do you do you remember your thought process of when you put that phone in that bedroom? Was it just a fluke? I'm just going to put a phone in here, or was it like I'm going to put a phone here in case I ever need it, or was it just? happenstance that phone ended up in that bedroom well i just i guess i decided to put it there in case jenna called or whatever during the night and i didn't have my cell phone with me because then i didn't keep it with me all the time you know it's like now it's the only phone we have right um i just put it in there really for in case somebody needed to call and i wasn't in close to my phone and you needed to call yeah, and I that. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the that's one thing that friend. caught my attention was that that phone hadn't always been in no. there. And he Recently had, and he had no idea yeah. it was there. Mm-hmm. God works in mysterious ways. I know. Yes. That's, that's where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, I'm you. i tell you another thing that he does, too, is he puts people in our lives like he put you in Kim's life, Leslie, to, mm-hmm. to continuously call. To continuously call. <laughs> you couldn't have had a, a more... You couldn't have had a better person to be on the other nope. side of 911 that night. Uh, nope. Yeah. Oh, thank y'all. <laughs> There's a lot of um, dispatchers that go way above and beyond that don't get the recognition they deserve. The state doesn't even, um, you know, forever recognize us as first responders, but we are indeed the first responders. The Absolutely. First. Um, so I'm a big advocate for my dispatchers. Sure. Like I said earlier, my daughter uh, works at Walmart part-time and makes more than my dispatchers which is sad in my opinion oh gosh absolutely um and i will go to bat for them every day of the week um to get them everything they deserve yeah and that's absolutely. dispatchers i mean i've been in three counties in my 20 years and um there's so many great dispatchers out there that you know do what i do i mean i couldn't imagine doing anything else i went i went to college got my degree for criminal justice Thinking, okay, I'm going to go to GBI or somewhere so I can retire, you know, <laughs> good with state. And I'm like, I can't, I can't leave. You can't I just, leave it. I can't leave it. It's I mean, hard for it. I left for two years. Uh, when I when I left Lawrence County, I left for two years, thinking, okay, I'll do something different. Maybe I went right back. I was, I called um, the sheriff in Blakely County. I was like, please, do you have something? I've got to get back. I tell everybody it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're out. <laughs> I mean, I just cannot. I mean, imagine. And and now being director, it was like at first when I, you know, I was like, yeah, this would be great. I'll work, you know, a regular hours. Finally, it took me twenty about twenty fifteen years to get to director. But then once I got director, I was like, man, I miss dispatching. So I don't mind filling in where I have to fill in at because I love the dispatching and I love, you know, helping people. So 
that was, um, I guess that's just where, you know, God, I truly believe God puts you where he, you're supposed to be. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I'm supposed to be, even though I'd love to make more money. Everybody's like, well, you can go, you know, I can go to Houston County and make way more. I'm not going to say like probably $10 more an hour than I make now. But it isn't always about the money. I'm home. My um, kids are there. My grandkids are there. And it's my community. It's my town. Sure. I'm going to call about this tree. For the tree service? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, timber tree service? Uh, I was see if you can come look at a tree for me next week. Oh, I could squeeze you in, man. I think I could squeeze you in. Poor, poor Peyton. Don't get tricked like Peyton. Call someone you can trust, like Buckeye Preferred Services. Over 35 years in the industry of tree work and removal, they are cutting out your problems, and you can reach them at 478-484-2178 or 478-278-5574. Also, we have got our black t-shirts in stock if you would like one, or if you like the advertising that we just did and would like to learn how you can advertise on our channel, you can reach us at Coffee and catch up pc at gmail.com now back to the podcast you know it, it's really a great and i mean if anybody's looking for a job check out your 911 centers because they are definitely needing help um and i speak for the tri-county area i know um they're constantly hiring pay ain't always great benefits are pretty good sometimes but what i leave with it at the end of the day is worth everything to me, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what keeps me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, like I said, I think it's a lot like what Brian and I do, especially, you know, doing a, a non-profit type right. uh, rehab, you know, it's it's definitely not about the money, you know, we're doing okay, but it's, it is, it's about that heart, you know, oh, yeah. it's the passion for it. it um, the passion, that's what, know, yeah, definitely got to have that passion. It's just, it's. I love going there because every day is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know what you're walking into. Everybody's like, you could go to Geico and make so much more. And sit in a cubicle. <laughs> and do the same thing every day. They got no, thank you. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm not. People for that. They got geckos. Yeah, yeah, I'm good where I'm at. Thank you, though. <laughs> I'll just be broke, and but I'm happy. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for what you do, Leslie. Well, yeah, thank you all for having thank us. Thank you for what you do. Um, can we go back to when he got oh. you off? So you were now off, off, off the porch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the deputy has come and got, right, got you. put me in the back seat of his car okay. and drove me down the road to where the ambulance was. Okay. Because, okay. see, they had started then waking people up and getting them it it, it it was it was it got bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know if y'all have read the the stories or no. anything of we how tried, bad it got. We tried to keep this as natural as we could. Yeah. Today. So we haven't read anything. We we are kind of finding all this out for the first time. But I'm assuming 
in a in a very standoff situation like that, anybody in in the four seeming danger area yeah. has got to go. Neighbors, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're be hey, we've got a situation. Y'all need to get down the road. Same thing with your your EMTs and your ambulances. Right. You don't want them right. anywhere near where they could get hurt because then you just have. You know, they're just going to drive themselves in an ambulance. Right. I'm not sure how they, that work out. It was parked down the road, so they had to take me to the ambulance. Okay, to so get, to get you there. And then I go to Fairview, and um, then I end up in Macon at the trauma unit. Mm. Okay. Because they couldn't handle everything yet. Wow. I'd imagine not. In Dublin. But I... Um, this left arm was shattered. It was just hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, so those rods and pins in that arm, and this finger won't move anymore. I've had to have a couple more surgeries on it. But I had um, all of this across here was broke. I had seven teeth knocked out. Um, there was 39 staples, I think, put in the back of my head. I was bruised. All over. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Goodness. So what, the recovery on that, how long were you in the hospital for? Um, I was in the hospital for six days, I think it was. And then, bless my two girlfriends' hearts, They, I came home with one of them. And between the both of them, they looked after me day and night. Mm-hmm. I, my cast they did the surgery. They had a. After I got to Macon, they did the trauma units. The, the all the physicians got together and decided how how they were going to sure. try to do all this at once. Well, I had one doctor with my finger doing surgery and one doing the arm and putting the stitches and mm. stuff. But um, then after I got home and went to my friend's house, it was like six months before I could drive mm. my car. Um, so it took a while. Plus, my house was destroyed, and we'll tell you about that. But um, yeah, it, it it was a lot of going back and forth to making the doctors, going to dentist, going yeah, to eye sure. doctors. Yeah. Whatever. A lot of physical therapy. Yeah, yeah a lot sure. of physical therapy. Gracious, a, lot. a lot of counseling. I, I would have yeah. imagined uh, so. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. The PTSD that comes from domestic violence Yeah. Um, is really bad. I know, I'm sure Kim can speak to, um, like, in relationships after domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It makes it really hard to trust people. Mm. Sure. Um, so PTSD from domestic violence is a real thing. PTSD from being a 911 dispatcher is a real thing. And I think both of those fall short sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. emotional trauma is very real. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's very real, you know, and, and can last for a long time, you know. Um, but long story short, on the um, the rest of it, after she was taken. She she's, she's in the gone. deputy's car. She's in the EMT. We're Fairview. We're making we're we're getting her soon out. So we're now we're back on the porch in the standoff. Uh where he's got 
I'm assuming he's just got the, the pistol at this point in time. The shotgun is kind yeah. of useless, but. Yeah, he threw it out. Okay. And was like. So they didn't, yeah, they, he threw that out, but they didn't know he had the pistol. Mm. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I think they did because he was, when he went. Oh, to, yeah, because he was pointing at, that's what he was mm -hmm. using when he was pointing at you on the porch. Right. Um, now, had he fired it because when he stuck it in your back it and it was hot, he had, he had already. He must have. Yeah, he had to. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. He was unconscious, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember, but it was warm in that That's morning. right, because he, he was saying. He was like basically daring them to Taunting come get them. you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, take yeah. another step type. type yeah, yeah. I dare you. You, you yeah. know, that's what he was saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. like to the deputies, let me see you come get her. Yeah. And of course he had the pistol. Mm -hmm. But um, after that, then they try, while I'm in Macon, they have the hospital locked down. So, cause they don't know what he's gonna do. And so then at home during all of this, they trying to talk to him and trying to get him to come out. Of course, before I w was out, I was like, just leave, just leave. I mean, even before the deputies got there, I was like, just get in your truck and leave. Right. You know, just go, but no. Um, and I think one of the things, I'm going to go back a little bit, one of the things that probably saved me was <laughs> I got on my knees and I just started rocking back and forth and I just kept saying, I've got to live for Jenna. i got to live for Jenna. Mm. i got to live for Jenna. Because that's all I could think of with my daughter, that she's the only child I have. Right. And it's just me and her. It was just me and her. And I, that was all, all I could do. And after that, he finally put me out. Mm. But going now, going back to him, um, they couldn't talk him out. And he was in the house at this he point. He was locked himself in the house. He had locked okay. himself in the house, and from what I understand, he had turned furniture over. He had damaged the house. He had got it all through the house to where if they came in on him, it was a maze. Gotcha. Hmm. He had moved all the furniture where he could get around, but they couldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, Leslie, you'll know more because uh, they called the SWAT team in. Yeah, they called them GBI, all. GBI, the State Patrol. Which is what they normally do for a standoff. Um, I mean, because ultimately, the ultimate goal is for everybody to go home. Sure. Sure. Even him. Everybody right. need everybody's gotta go home. That's what you know, that's what we go that's what we aim for in every situation. That everybody goes home. And unfortunately that didn't happen. Um it got very violent. Um, lots of shots fired. Um, of course I wasn't there, thank God. I don't want ever, I you know, I give Huge kudos to my LEOs and uh, EMTs and firefighters for going to these scenes because mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. I mean, right. you know, let me just stay back here. <laughs> you know, um, those front line, that, that, that's everything. Um, they really, you know, they really put in that. But I know it got bad. Um, of course, like, I mean, I can't really 
say 100% what happened because I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just remember the stories uh, vaguely of how it all went down, but it was bad, and a lot of shots were fired. And um, ultimately, he um, didn't make it. He would go, he would come out one door shooting at them and run in another, yeah. the back door, is what he would do, they said. And I think the last time that he came out, he had it taped to his hand so he mm-hmm. wouldn't drop it. And yeah. um, he had the pistol taped to his hand. And actually, um, we went to get the pistol because I just thought it would be fine, you know, okay, I'll just go pick up the pistol after all this was over. But no, a shot had actually gone right in the barrel that they had shot at him. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, he was eventually killed. So, yeah, and with taping the gun to his eye, there's no... Now you can't even drop the gun and Mm-mm. try to turn it. Like, there's no... No, there's no turn back. There's no other way to go about this at this point in time. You know, there's... Um, it sounds to me like he came out there to die, and so die he did. He yeah. did. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, I, tr- I tried I, everything I knew to say to him when I was unconscious, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I tried everything I knew to say to get him out. Mm-hmm. I've got, I hate to ask this question, and I know you may not be able to answer this, but why do you think he did not kill you and kill himself, as what he, which is what he said he was going to do after when he first came in there? What what made him not do that? Um, I don't know. I, in, in fact, I think he thought I had lost so much blood that, you were gonna gonna that I was going to die. That, 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 that might have been his thought process, just let you die slowly like yeah. that. Yep. I really think, I really think he, because he told me, he says, I think I've already killed you. Look at the blood loss. And a lot of domestic violence situations like that are murder, suicide. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's how it ultimately ends, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. The drugs definitely did not help in that situation. I think had, maybe if he wasn't, um, so impaired, maybe he could have been talked down. Maybe I don't know because I didn't know him. But I always, I'm always hopeful in a situation like that. You know, you can help somebody come to their senses before they do something. You know, too crazy Take and it too far. Yeah, but then it was just it was too. He he'd already took it too far. There was yeah. no. Um, I knew when I called and I heard him, and like I said, it just it comes from experience, I guess. Unfortunately, it's not a, a good feeling, but it's a gut feeling. Like, mm. just his tone, and it was almost you could hear, you could see his face in the tone mm-hmm. that he spoke to me in. Right. That he was, he was, it was just too far gone. He, yeah, it right. was, he was too far gone. And I, under, I understand the drugs and alcohol, obviously, that played a part in what happened, but I think it just, it's shocking to me that that was the first time that he ever laid hands on you mm-hmm. was that night. Yeah. And it was to that degree. Right. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. It's like he it got is. those papers and just completely yeah. snapped. Yeah. That was yeah. it. Well, completely and then snapped. and then you got to throw in steroids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, yeah. roid rage is, is, is a thing. Yeah. So you really never know. Um, and, and he was like that. Um when he would exercise, whatever he did, he did it to extreme. Sure. Mm. 
you know, if it was exercise, if it was drinking, if it was, I mean, work, I mean, anything. It was yeah. always. All in. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when he would quit exercising, it was the other way, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, whatever he did. Mm. Yeah. That his personality, that, uh-huh. that, all, that all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's almost like when Derek asked the question, why didn't he just, like, kill you and then kill himself? It's almost like when you said that he thought he had killed you, mm-hmm. that it would kind of end it for him if he did shoot you. He was just going to let you just suffer. slowly bleed out and suffer. Right. right. Because... And of course, I don't know that, but I'm just... That kind of makes sense in my head that mm-hmm. that maybe had been his thought process, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's like probably going. what would have happened if I hadn't called. Sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah there's... And I, I know, with no doubt in my mind, that if I hadn't kept calling back, and kept mm-hmm. calling back and kept calling. Like, it got to the point where he knew he had to answer. They yeah. were coming anyway. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, it was just, it was too far gone. You and he knew quit it. calling, were you, girl? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's, I mean, you know, like I said, any time we get a 911 hang up, um, and most agencies are, you know, I'm sure are all like this, but you have to call back. Sure. You know, at least once. And a lot of times it's, you know, a butt dial. But there is that one chance, mm-hmm. you know, that it's going to be something that, yeah. you know, had you not called back, you know, mm-hmm. had we not called back, there's no telling how how much she would have endured before we was able to talk to her or get the call. Mm-hmm. Well, you hadn't dispatched them until when? The deputies. Um, when so you talk to her? Orig- the original, the first call come in to my partner. Uh-huh. Um, and that's when I heard the screaming and it disconnected. So then he tried to call back and he couldn't get nothing. So then I started calling back and I just, like I said, yeah, I just calling. kept. But once I heard the screaming, they had already been dispatched. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that, after that yeah. very first call, oh, yeah. you sent them out. Yeah. Okay. If you okay. hear that kind of screaming, you know yeah. it's time for That's them. not a butt dial. No, that's not a butt yeah. dial. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, what's so sad is they they just never follow through. Like you'd be amazed at how many domestic violence calls we get from the same people who never never do anything about it. Right. You know, whether there's kids involved, and I mean, I I mean, you know, without going in detail. I know what that feels like. I know how that works. Um, sometimes you think you just, you know, it's maybe it's easier to stay. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people just, um, they, they scared. They're sure. Scared, and you've got, but you need to make a plan. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You need to make a plan. You need That's to make a plan and get out. Yeah. I mean. Call somebody because you know anything. Just make that plan. Even if you need somebody to help you make that plan yeah. to make it work. Yeah. Here's the thing: one day you may not be able to make that plan. That's right. right. That was what I wanted to ask both of you. What would you say to our audience? And whether that be signs, y'all just answered a piece of it. Make a plan um, for somebody to to 
not go through what you went through, what would be, and either one of y'all go first, what would be your words to them um, if they are, are thinking maybe, I, maybe he or she has that capability because of these things, these red flags or whatever the case may be, what would you, what would you say to that person? Because part of y'all coming on here, we hope that, we all hope that if it reaches one person, mm-hmm. right. that it was worth all yes. of us right. sitting down and discussing this and mm-hmm. y'all going through it again and playing it back in your head. What would you say? One of you take Well, I think on. like with Kim, you know, like she said, sure there was verbal abuse. So if there's verbal abuse, there's your sign. There's, it's time to go. There's potential it's, for more. It's time Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. Good point. Um, if, if they're downgrading you, they don't love you, and Absolutely. it's time to go. Um, if there's a lack of respect or anything, then it's time to go because it's only going to escalate. Right. Um, but if you don't have time for a plan, then make – Make time because if you don't, you may run out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim was very, very lucky and very fortunate that God seen it was not her time to go. Right. Um, but not everybody's that lucky. And if you see something, say something. Because a lot of times you'd be surprised at how many times. You may be in a Walmart parking lot and look over into the car beside you and a man's beating a woman and nobody says anything. But there's that one chance, if you are the one to say something, that you might prevent her being killed later. Right, you're doing so much worse. You know, um, so there's always a chance to say something if you see something. And if you're in an environment and you're scared to get out, don't be. Don't be scared. I think a lot of women, like back in the day, I, um, I think a lot of women think they can't make it on their own. Mm-hmm. I did. I thought, well, I will never make it on my own. You can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I takes agree. time. Mm-hmm. It takes time. You got, you know, you'll you'll find your um, inner strength you didn't even know you had. But don't stay in a situation like that. It's not right. It's not fair to you. And it's do not stay for your kids. Do not stay for your kids. That's probably the biggest lie that, that do, oh, we right. tell it drives ourselves. Because I, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. But yeah. do not, because, you know, my um, childhood was kind of rough. And it was always, well, I don't want, you know, I can't do it on my own. Or, you know, I don't want my kids to be without their father. Da, 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 da. Do not stay for your kids, because if you do, there's a chance they're not going to have you. Right. Plain and simple. So, I mean, that's about all I can say about it. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. Um, and like you said, if you if you don't have time to make a plan, but most of the time you do, oh, yeah. because there's that. You, you got know, time for everything yeah, if you there, make time for it. There's those things that, those little red flags that, you know, 
may happen here and then another one a month later and then another one and it's like okay I've got to do something mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to my best friend and I'm going to ask her can she help me can I come stay with her until mm -hmm. I can something do there's somebody out there mm -hmm. that will help you yeah whether it be a preacher um yeah. You know, a person in the hospital staff. I mean, somebody knows what it's like, mm -hmm. whether they've seen it, endured it, whatever. Don't be afraid to, to, to leave because somebody will help you. There's people that will help you. Even though we don't have um, home, women's shelters like they should be or domestic violence uh, classes and this, that, and the other, there's people out here that will help you. You can go to your preacher. You can go to a school teacher. You can go to a nurse. You can go to the police station, um, you know. And fire department. Fire department. I mean, there's plenty of people that will help you. You just got to be brave enough to take that step and ask for it. Put that first foot forward. Yep. Yep. But and don't stay. Walking. Don't stay. Just don't stay. All right. Don't be scared and don't stay. And do not stay for your kids because they're, they will never, you know, you would think three years old, you know, and seeing stuff like that, you would think they'd forget. They don't forget. No, not they at don't three. forget. They don't forget. Not at three. No. Well, I again just want to thank the both of y'all so much. Absolutely. Uh, thank y'all for having a, us. Such a powerful story, such an opportunity. Um, you both did fantastic. We we are extremely grateful. Uh, that y'all uh, made the effort to come on the podcast with us. And like I said, I, I just know somebody is going to hear something. Yep. Somebody I hope so. Cause that, yeah. That's, you know, that I've always said since this happened that that was my goal, to mm -hmm. help one person, to be able to, you know, help somebody. That And I know she has. I know she has. Oh, I'm sure. No, I'm sure. And going to continue to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I'd... Oh, I do want to thank the three deputies that got there first because they really put their life on the line as well yeah. as all the rest of them. But um, Dustin Renfro, Brian Thomas, and Brian Scott—they were the first one, the mm. first three there. Yes. And um, yeah. And so, yeah, and Leslie, good, <laughs> Leslie was my lifeline. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'll always yep. say that. Leslie was my lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> and all all four of those are my heroes. Now. I guarantee you. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much. Um, yeah, and, and for anybody listening, if you're not sure, that I, I think I Googled domestic violence awareness and came up with so much information, you know, uh, any starting place is, is a good starting place, you know. Uh, the, all the ones that, that Brian and, and Kim and Leslie discussed, you know, Google it, call one, whatever. Just take that first step. Please take that first mm -hmm. step and reach out. Um, we, we are continuing to grow. We are continuing to 
be able to have episodes like this, very powerful episodes, very uh, rewarding episodes, and hopefully many episodes for y'all as well. Uh, we appreciate all y'all's continued support. Be sure to like the video. Comment down below. Give give these two ladies some some encouragement for doing this. You know, uh, let them know that you appreciate their vulnerability on coming on here and sharing this kind of stuff. Because I know we sure did. Let me hop in, Chris. Yeah, I got it. If 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 you don't normally uh, share our podcast every week to your Facebook page or other platforms. Totally understand. But this is one that we seriously are asking you to share because you just don't know. Yes. You just don't know who's on your friends list that may be going through something like this that, that just by sharing Kim and Leslie's story today, you can help them find a solution to a problem they've been probably praying for. So share this one all around, man. Get the word out and let's, uh, let's see what kind of lives and differences we can make. I just wanted to throw one more thing out there, too, because um, a lot of people do not know this. If you have a cell phone that does not have service, you can still dial 911. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? So, uh, you know, Even put, a flip a phone, phone. put a phone on silent somewhere that you only know about. If you're in that bad of a situation, put it on silent. Put it somewhere you could get to. It doesn't have to have service. You can still call 911. Um, you know, just call, just call. I mean, yeah. just reach don't out. Don't stay. No, it's just not going to be worth it in the end. And I want to say too. Um, and I say this. I think it at at the end of every thing I've done that where I spoke about my story. But um, thank your nine one one operators and your deputies your police mm -hmm. because they saved my life yep. and yours might be next yeah. absolutely you don't never know right. but they did they saved me them and the good lord thank you and my angels up above yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's why i'm here today and we're so glad that they did we're so glad that you called and we're so glad that you made it out yes um Again, definitely don't don't be scared. Reach out. That take that first step and reach out. Um, you know, as Brian was saying, share this video. Let's get this message out here. This is it's too powerful to let it just kind of circle around our usual audience. Share it everywhere. Um, you know, like the video, comment down below. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, again, thank you to Buckeye Preferred Services as always uh, and all their continued support. Uh, reach out to us. Brian has lied to me for the last two or three weeks about T-shirts. I don't know. If, I don't even know if black T-shirts even exist at this point in time. You know, they may not ever happen. Uh, but don't worry, because we'll still take payments for them. Listen, they should be here. The last day we've got is what Tuesday of this week. So tomorrow, as of when this is coming out, sounds good. Chris. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I want a black and red happens. one. I promise you, we're going to do it at some point in time. And one day, now that I've spoke the Etsy thing into existence, I'm actually going to have to sit down and do it. Um, but we're going to try to streamline our merch process on Etsy. We'll see what happens. Um, but until the next one, y'all be safe out there uh, and continue to share this podcast. We appreciate it, y'all. Peace. Peace.